This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, I'm not going to lie. I thought it would be a while before I had to record uh, another emergency pod uh, with something, uh, you know, some semblance of breaking news. Um, but uh, here we are. Um and I uh, don't have to virtually, uh, you know, join any meetings for a little while. So what the hell? Let's record one. Um, in case you missed it, um, first reported by Steve Popper of Newsday, the New York Knicks and Leon Rose have decided to. Um, well, let's get in get the specifics out of the way. So Scott Perry's contract was set to expire on June thirtieth. Um, so he has been extended for uh, one year um, so he will for all intents and purposes be the general manager for the 2020 uh, 2021 season so here's the thing <laughs> I, I'm gonna try to approach this a, a, as reasonably as possible because look there's a lot of people saying like look it, it, the whole time, Perry has been there. Um, Mills was there for almost all of it up until, you know, right before the Morris trade, uh, which was a good trade. It was a, it was a fine trade. Um, so why not give Perry, who is who was before he came here, you know, a respected basketball front office person. I think everybody kind of joined in the same chorus the day he was hired, which was like, all right, unspectacular, but it's an adult in the room. It's a guy who's been around the game in front offices for, you know, at that point, well over a decade. Now it's nearing 20 years. Um, again, solid. Solid but unspectacular. And I think that reaction was, was warranted because you had Steve Mills at the time running basketball, um, he was the president of basketball operations. And I think everybody, once once Dolan made him the president of basketball operations after he fired Phil Jackson, I think there was an in- implicit understanding amongst Nick fans that once the, the caveat was laid out that anyone that was going to be hired for the GM position would have to work in concert with Steve Mills, who notably is not a basketball person. He came from the business side of things. 
I think there was an understanding that we were never in the running for the best of the best as far as possible GM candidates. So when they went out and when Mills went out and got someone that, um, you know, again, was competent, unspectacular, but competent, I think everybody was like, okay, this could have gone a lot worse. And we got someone who at least is going to be, you know, a term that I like to use a lot, an adult in the room. And it's been three years since that. Um, And those three years have been, if you are the eternal optimist, I think you would argue that the last three years in terms of moves that the Knicks have made, trades, signings, draft picks, I think if you're really, really optimistic, you could look at that and say the grade is is incomplete. Um, And I'm not about to sit here and go through Scott Perry's entire tenure um, as GM because I just I don't have that type of time. Um, God knows I've said a lot about the KP trade already, which was obviously the biggest move. Um, You know, there's been obviously very high level draft picks and a bunch of other stuff. Here's here's my thing. Um, what what has the Knicks front office, which Scott Perry has been a part of? What have they done over the last three years for for any incoming president to look at and say, yes, this is the person that I want in charge of the nitty-gritty aspects of my basketball team for my first year on the job? What is the... Because there's two different ways you could argue this. You could argue it... It's like, you know, the old football term, right? Playing not to lose versus playing to win. If we're playing not to lose here, yeah, sure. You could look at Scott Perry and be like, ah, you know, everything's solid. He got a first-round pick for Marcus Morris. Um, you know, the mellow trade was executed tactfully. Um, you know, the, obviously Mitchell Robinson is a great draft pick, although, again, I think that has far more to do with Scott Perry's pre-existing relationship with Raymond Brothers than it does any, uh, you know, significant uh, talent evaluation. But uh, again, give him all the credit in the world for the Mitch pick. He deserves it. I'm giving him that credit. Um, But that's one pick. It's one, one thing. One thing he did in three years. If we're playing not to lose, yeah, fine. You could say, well... That plus, you know, he didn't he didn't fall on his face with anything else other than maybe the KP trade, which there were reasons for that that predate his arrival. So, uh, eh, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and let's keep him on. That to me is playing not to lose. Playing to win is saying if you're Leon Rose. I just inherited full and complete control over the basketball operations of what is allegedly one of the two most storied franchises in the NBA and one of the most, you know, say what you want about how much of a disaster they've been, but a brand name that carries with it the potential for a lot of good stuff if this thing ever gets going in the right direction. That's what Leon Rose inherited. And to me, if you just inherited something with that weight and with that amount of gravitas, you should not be afraid to go out and try, instead of playing not to lose, 
you should not be afraid to go play to win and try to acquire the very, very, very best people to do, you know, the unenviable job of trying to build this thing up essentially from scratch. Yes, there's a lot of flexibility, and R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson are very nice pieces. I get all of that. But for all intents and purposes, this is a this is a from-the-ground-up, you know, rebuild um, with some potential building blocks of the foundation in place. That is a monumental task. And it's also a task that any GM who comes in and does it successfully is going to be the Theo Epstein of basketball. That is how they are going to be viewed. So I don't want to, you know, because the first thing that went through my mind is, well, he must have done his due diligence. And again, because it's, it's MSG and it's the Knicks, and we're always working with caveats here because that's our life. He must have done his due diligence and, you know, the the other people he talked to that he felt would be a clear upgrade looked at the situation and said, eh, you know, I'm not so keen on having to continue to work with Allen Houston and Scott Perry because we knew those guys were not going anywhere. Put aside for the fact that Perry's going to stay on as the GM, before this news came out, we knew Perry was going to, was at least going to be around and we knew Allen Houston was going to be around and we know, you know. There are other people in the garden that have been here for eons that um, it was maybe the incoming GM was not going to have full control in terms of the ability to, to fire those people and hire replacements. So that was my first thought is he did his due diligence and, you know, the best of the best, you know, the, the Bobby Webster's right of the world, the Mike Zarin's of the world. We're not going to make a lateral move, right? Because that's what it would be. Other GMs in other cities to come here and be GM, it would be a lateral move. And the only way you're going to make someone or get someone to make a lateral move is A, you're going to give up compensation, which fine, that's respectable. They didn't want to give up compensation, um, but you're also going to pay them a lot of money. It's entirely possible that he knocked on a few doors and was told by those people no. Or maybe he didn't knock on the doors, whatever. I guess I'm just not convinced that there wasn't due diligence done after that. And what I mean by that is there are a lot, a lot of smart organizations in the NBA. Um, Organizations are getting smarter by the day. There's very few organizations you could look at now and be like, well, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And in every one of these organizations, there are people that work under the president of basketball and under the GM, maybe one step under, maybe two steps under, who at some point are going to become GMs and at some point are going to do a good job. And I just wonder how much legwork was done to try to investigate, A, the availability of those people, and B, more importantly, how good they would be when, if given greater responsibility. And that's what I'm sitting here and I'm doubting right now is whether or not all of that was done or whether, because this is what it looks like to me, Leon Rose just said, look, I know Scott Perry. I know I could work with Scott Perry. Scott Perry knows the lay of the land here. He has three years invested in this thing already. Um, he's in the thick of it. 
it's not an ideal time right now with COVID and the whole thing. And like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to have the usual level of access and all of that stuff that we would, we would normally have. Let me just go with, you know, the, the bird in the hand rather than the two in the bush. And I think that that's, while I think that that's valid, I don't know why you need to give him, A, the one-year extension. Fine. Even if you want to give him the one-year extension, give him the one-year extension. But why does it have to be the one-year extension as GM? Why can't you just say, Scott, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be here for the next year. I'm going to rely on you. You're going to be my institutional knowledge. But you haven't done anything to earn the title of GM for another year by itself. I need to be able to go out and do due diligence. And that's why I'm sitting here and I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit. Because he has not done anything to earn that title for another year. And I bet there are people out there who, you know, those in the know would say, hey, yeah, you know what? That person's going to be a good GM someday. I wonder why the Knicks didn't go barking up that tree. And that's that's my question right now. Because why couldn't you bring someone in and keep Perry aboard? What would have been the downside of that? You get to keep all of Perry's institutional knowledge, and you get to keep him on board. You get to keep him, you know, um, keep him as someone that you could just simply go and ask questions to as someone who's been in the building for three years. Again, I'm not saying there isn't value in all of that. But if he didn't earn the right to get the job for another year at least, and I'm sorry, but he didn't. I know, you know, Schwinn responded, because I sent out a tweet saying, what has he done under the Mitch pick, other than the Mitch pick that's been a clear home run? And Schwinnipoo, who I respect his opinion greatly, responded with this. He signed Morris and traded him for a first. Okay, The signing of Morris was a happy accident more than anything else, and it would never have happened if Reggie Bullock didn't fail his physical and Morris didn't renege on the Spurs, which, by the way, pissed a lot of people around the league off. Um, Would I still do it, given the opportunity? Of course, because you get a first-round pick out of it. But did that do anything to, you know, uh, put some further shine on the Knicks' uh, reputation around the league? No, it did not. But whatever. That was a good move, but it was a move that kind of came about by accident more than anything else. The second thing he wrote was he traded Mello to get the Mitch pick. Yes, the Mello trade was a good trade, and he inherited a shitty situation with Mello. Um, am I going to give him a win for that? I, am I, Sure, fine. I'll give him the win for displaying patience and not doing what would have been a terrible move and trading him to Houston for Ryan Anderson's contract, which is what, you know, was going to happen um, uh, if if he didn't get traded to OKC. But uh, I don't know. So I'm going to give a guy credit for, for basically waiting out a situation and, and playing chicken? All right, fine. I'll give you credit for that. And then the third thing he mentioned is trading Willie. Look, I've defended the Willie Hernan Gomez trade many times. I still defend it. It was a good trade. Um, that said, I don't know that you could point to that as a clear win if only for this reason. And again, I've argued that it was never a really great time to trade him before, but I also don't think it's unreasonable to say trading Willie over the summer when his value was highest coming off the all-rookie team selection, you know, that's a valid argument. So fine. Even if you give him some of these things, he's been on the job for three years. Three years. And 
if I was to send out a tweet asking now, can you list some of the things that maybe didn't go so good over those three years? That's not hard to do. In fact, it's a little bit too easy. And, you know, I'll have something in the newsletter coming out um, either tomorrow or, or the next day in which I go through his, you know, smaller signings over the last three years. In short, he has not hit one of them. Um, it's just, God, why do we always, as Nick fans, have to settle for, set like, what's left over? It's the Knicks. It's New York. It's Manhattan. I understand you have to come work for Dolan. And in this case, you have to come work under Leon Rose. But... You like really? Couldn't get someone? Couldn't get someone else? Uh, I I just I I can't I can't, d- despite the fact despite the fact that I see the logic behind this and I get again stability and organizational and institutional knowledge I get all of that I I, I can't I can't sit here and say this is this is a good move because it's not you're playing not to lose you're not playing to win. It's a simple fact. All right, I think uh, I think that's all the shouting I could do for a day. Let me uh, let me go check the old Twitter here to see if there's anything else that's been uh, tweeted out since I since I came on here. Um, Mark Berman tweeted out, according to a source, GM Scott Berry will go beyond the draft with the option pick up. Much of his handpicked staff's contract expires in August. So there's no guarantee of everyone returning. So this may be just Perry and a bunch of the other people go. I don't know. Who knows? All right. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope everybody's staying inside and <sighs> doing your part to, uh, you know, flatten the curve. And uh, sorry to rant and rave in your ear on an otherwise uh, pleasant but rainy uh, Wednesday afternoon and uh, I will see you with another episode uh, we'll have dropping on Friday uh, with a very special guest and uh, yeah I uh, I will talk to you then.